Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky show as I speak. What's the date? Friday, September 24th, 2021. And uh, what's in the the news today to give you an idea what's going on? Because you can be listening to this anytime. Here we go from the New York Times. CDC panel vote clouds guidance over third dose. Oh, a mixed message about COVID and the pandemic and what to do about it. Reveals scientific rift. Health workers left out of eligible groups and split with FDA. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that right now, although who knows where the conversation will go winding and turning. Maybe it'll end up there. Uh, but uh, we have a different uh, topic on my mind today. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce yourself, as we always do in the Ben Jarowski Show. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Jessica Chiarella, and I am the author most recently of a book called The Lost Girls that came out in July. And I am a huge fan, and I make no bones about it, of uh, Jessica Chiarella and The Lost Girls. Uh, and Jessica knows this story, but I'm going to tell it every anyway, because my listeners do not know this story, although I've been obsessing over your book for a while. Uh, Jessica. So a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I've lost track of time. I'm dutifully reading the Sunday New York Times session, uh, talking about new books. And there's a, a write-up uh, about this new book called The Lost Girls by Jessica Chiarella. And it mentions that it takes uh, place in Chicago. And I'm like, hmm, a mystery that takes place in Chicago. So I put that in my little phone under books to check out uh, or to buy from the bookstore. And I happened to be at the library about a week later, and lo and behold, in the new book section, what do I see? Chwong! The Lost Girls by Jessica Chiarella. I grabbed that book, and I checked it out. And uh, as I told Jessica, man, this book kept me up. Uh, this is a great, great read. If you are into mysteries, if you're into Chicago, 
Uh, if you're into brave heroines, badass heroines, this book has it all. So, Jessica, just first of all, great job here. Thank you so much. For that one. Two thumbs way up for this book. Oh, I so appreciate it. And yeah, that's a, you know, the first thing every author wants to hear is that, yeah, someone really, really got into your book. So I appreciate it so much. Yes, I urge absolutely everyone. Again, if you're into any of those uh, categories, uh, and I suppose everybody's going to compare this book, uh, uh, what was it, Gone Girl, mm. uh, of that uh that variety, that hmm from Jessica's go, no, my book's no, different. It, it's, so, so high, uh, it's such high praise. Like that's a comparison that makes me blush, to be honest, because Gillian Flynn is sort of one of my, you know, like icons of thriller writing who I, you know, aspire to be like and feel like, man, I am not even the same league. So that is a huge compliment. Well, there's there's a lot in common uh, between the two books, but I, I'm, I don't want to give too much of it away because it really are a lot of twists and turns. And as I uh, said in an email I sent to Jessica early on, I did not see this end coming at all. So Jessica, why don't we start by talking about, you, you, you mentioned uh, the thriller writing. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's the category, uh, thriller writing, as opposed to mysteries or detective stories, because it's not really a detective story. Why don't you talk a little bit about yourself, how you got to this point in your life where you wound up writing like a dark, suspenseful thriller about murder in <laughs> Chicago. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, it was a circuitous route to get here, to be honest. Um, you know, growing up, I always wrote, I've got a, you know, a retired librarian for a mother who, you know, has always been obsessed with serial killer novels. So not only were books a huge part of my life, you know, as a kid, but also, you know, the intrigue of sort of a mystery or a thriller, or, you know, a, a very violent book was always sort of, you know, like in my periphery, she was always reading, you know, like books with very high body counts. So, you know, I, I went to school, I wasn't planning on becoming a writer, it was just something that I did for myself. And when I graduated from undergrad, I went to DePaul University. And, um, you know, I took this one class with this professor who, complimented my writing and said, did you know that DePaul has a master's of writing and publishing program? And I said, no, I didn't. It was pretty much brand new at the time. And all I, like, I couldn't stop thinking about it then. I went home and I thought, wow, you know, like I'm looking at, you know, I'm eyeing graduation. It's the middle of the great recession. If I could do one thing all day long, it would be writing stories. And so, you know, I ended up enrolling in, in this master's of writing and publishing program. I ended up doing another graduate degree after that, a master's of fine art in creative writing at UC Riverside. Um, but, you know, I wrote my first book at DePaul in that master's program, and it wasn't a thriller. You know, it was kind of sci-fi. It was this book that was kind of loosely about cloning. Um, and, you know, that book came out. I did my MFA program. I sort of toiled away for a bit, at a, you know, at another novel project that sort of didn't go anywhere. And I felt really kind of stuck. You know, I got back to Chicago from Riverside, California, and was just sort of looking at, okay, you know, what do I want to do? You know, like, what direction do I want to take? And in kind of the same way that I made the decision to go to grad school in the first place, I just thought, well, what would I like to do? You know, like what what kind of books do I pick up when I just want something that's purely enjoyment? And like my mother, I go to thrillers. I go to mystery novels. You know, I go to, you know, novels with body counts. And so 
I thought, what if I give that a try? You know, it was not kind of like a genre that I've ever written before. It was not the kind of book that, you know, we sort of practiced at writing in any of these graduate programs. But I thought, you know, maybe I'll give this a shot. Maybe this could be a lot of fun. Um, so luckily I had, a, I have a, you know, a very close friend who is also a writer and he was kind enough to sort of sit down in a number of Chicago dive bars with me and sort of go through plotting it out. He's very familiar with mystery novels. So he was able to help me with sort of the genre conventions and um, yeah, it just sort of, you know, I started writing it and I just couldn't stop. So that was, you know, sort of the the long story that brought me to writing a thriller, which is something that I really had never set out to do and just sort of did um, as much for myself as, you know, as for the idea that it could be put out into the world. So was this thriller that uh, that you wrote and that you uh, uh, talked about in the dive bars with your friend, was this the one that uh, turned into The Lost Girls? Yes. Yeah. It just, I wrote it very quickly. I mean, I sort of came up with the idea that I wanted to write a thriller, you know, in the winter, I want to say of what now, 2018, 2018, 2019. So I don't know, the, the years are blended together now. Um, I, you know, I started, you know, we've sort of plotted it out. I started writing it and it was done by summer. I mean, I just wrote it in a rush. It was one of the crazier writing experiences I've ever had. But um, yeah, also just a ton of fun, just like an incredibly fun book to write. Uh, wow. A fun book to write. We'll get into folks. I, I, again, I don't want to give too <laughs> yeah. much away, but that the concept of this book being a fun book to write. Um, so uh, what, do, what are you doing the rest of your life? Do you have a day job? while you're doing this writing? Yeah, I was working at the University of Chicago at, at the law school um, in just a communications position. So yeah, it was sort of like I was writing, you know, in the notes app on my phone on the way on the bus on the way home and stuff like during my commute. So it was it was really it sort of took over like all of my free time for for about six months. And did you um, I'm speaking now from experience when I I'm in long term pro or any project, really, I I've been thinking about this, but anyway, do you find yourself like talking the story in your head? You hear the dialogue when you're walking down the street, the characters and the scenes and the settings are just like in your brain as you're walking, let's say where I don't, you live on the north side of Chicago, as you're walking down Wilson Avenue? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, there would be days when I'd just be like in the middle of a run and I would have to just like come to a full stop and just, it was like taking dictation. It's like, yeah, the characters were sort of talking and it's just like, all right, I got to like get on my phone now, even though I'm out of breath and sweaty and, you know, holding up traffic, I've got to just like get all of this down. It was, it was crazy. It was a, a very, very interesting experience. And yeah, it did feel like, you know, once I understood where the narrative was going to go. Like once I had the broad stroke sort of plotted out and I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is the answer to the question. And this is, you know, like what we're going to find out when, you know, I just sort of, it, it felt a lot of times like it was just sort of taking dictation. Well, the, that's what something I'm going to give you a shout out for. Uh, the lost girls has a great plot and I read a lot of books and I got to tell you that great plots, uh, are rare. You know, you could have a book and I, you probably know what I'm talking about. Like it's got great dialogue or the author can really set a scene or the voice, the narrative voice is really strong and compelling and funny, but a plot, like a plot is hard. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. uh, uh, so when you were writing the book, did, uh, you, 
outline the plot first, or were you just going from scene to scene and the plot just emerged as you were writing these scenes? I outlined the whole plot first. I mean, just like pages of, okay, this has to happen and then this has to happen and then the turn happens here. And, you know, I had I'd taken screenwriting classes actually at UC Riverside when I was there, since it's a Southern California MFA program, they do have sort of a screenwriting arm. And I'll tell you, nothing taught me how to write plot in, in a novel like taking a screen screenwriting course, because, you know, it's, it's like you have to get that three act structure down. You have to look for that first act break. You have to look for the turn at the end. You know, like there are just beats that you sort of have to hit and they're non-negotiable. And when you're working in, you know, in the novel format, everything is a little bit looser. But sort of keeping that in mind, these sort of cues that us as viewers and, you know, to a certain extent, us as readers start have started to, you know, be primed to look for, I realized that, okay, I would have to hit certain beats at certain points in the plot. And, you know, then it just became about, okay, what does that look like? At what point in the book do I have to find out this information? You know, what red herring can I place where? And then it just became sort of like fill in the blank. So once I sort of became familiar with thinking about writing a novel like I would write a movie, it, it just, yeah, it became a lot easier to sort of plot it out. And uh, let's talk a little bit about it. I want to uh, leave it to you to say what uh, the general plot is, because I'm afraid that once I start going, I'll give stuff away, and I really don't want to give away, because I'm telling you folks, it was like, I'm going to tell you, Jessica, it was about uh, one in the morning, and I was on the couch reading it, and... This the scene. I'm just gonna say. I'll just say a little. This no one will get it, but Jessica will get it with the knife. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that, <laughs> that uh, whoa! I didn't see that coming. You know? Um, yeah. We'll leave that. that. That's just a little hint. But the rest of you, it, if you're one in the morning, you're reading, you go, well, that's what Ben was talking about. So uh, talk a little bit. Give folks a sense of what the book is about, and then I'll take it from there. Go ahead. Yeah, so the the main character of the book is um, Marty Reese, and she's a podcaster in her early 30s who has this very interesting backstory and tragic backstory where her older sister Maggie went missing when Maggie was a teenager and Marty was eight years old. And Marty was the last person to see her. She, you know, they were walking home together. You know, they come upon this car in the woods on their way home, and her sister lets go of her hand and tells her to run. And Marty does. And so she survives and her sister is never seen again. And, you know, Marty sort of lives her entire life through the lens of her missing sister. You know, this is sort of the large question in her life that has never been answered. And, you know, she ends up starting this true crime podcast with a close friend of hers as a way of sort of grappling with new revelations in the case and just sort of try and shine a light onto her sister's case to see if they can get more information. And when the podcast becomes a hit, they do get this new information. This woman contacts Marty, this woman named Ava Vreeland, says, I think I have a case that's connected to the, the disappearance of your sister. There are all of these similarities. And, you know, it's it's a case where she thinks that somebody has been convicted of a murder who has been, you know, falsely convicted, who is actually innocent. And, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but it's, you know, it's about the two of them sort of embarking on this journey together to see if these similarities bear out and to see if they can vindicate this person who is sitting in prison for this crime. 
Yes. And uh, I saw, like I said, I um, there's some obvious contrasts or uh, similarities uh, with Gone Girl. Uh, but also there was a movie when, when I was watching, I, I, you know, when I was watching it, when I was reading the book, I was thinking about this movie, which I don't know if you ever saw, cause it may be a little before your time where Edward Norton, uh, played, uh, somebody who was in prison and, uh, oh God, who was the lawyer that got him out of prison? What was the law? Who played that? Is lawyer? it, is it primal fear? Richard Gere? Yes. Yeah. 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 There was a, mm-hmm. pri- am I right in that? Were you vibing on that movie when you wrote? You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I... I don't want to give it. Yeah, no, I wasn't thinking so much about that movie, but that was one of those movies that, like, my family would watch when I was a kid. So I guess it's sort of baked in. You know, we were always big fans of of mystery thrillers. So, yeah, I think it, for me, just having sort of that basis of, (laughs) you know, having seen so many, you know, crime dramas and seen so many thrillers and seen so many sort of gruesome movies you know, throughout my life, I think you you just start to um, just draw upon all of that when you're sitting down to write and it sort of informs your imagination on these things. That's pretty funny, man. I could see the, the Chiarella family. Hey, let's go watch this movie about this murder in prison. Okay. Yeah. Oh, all um, the time. Uh, uh, yeah, you pick, I know that's what uh, led you to where you are. I was picking up on that and uh, the strong, again, I want to give anything away, but the, um, uh, Marty, the, the the protagonist of the book, is a very strong character uh, and uh, with a lot of uh, fighting ability. Let's just put it that way. So is that in any way relate to you or is that just totally like a fantasy thing that you put together? Yeah, no relation to me whatsoever. I am, you know, the type of person who, you know, just like does workout videos in my living room. I am in no way going to a boxing gym the way that Marty does. But, you know, I, I started to sort of wonder how a person would behave that has this history, you know, that has this, you know, this, like confrontation face to face with a danger where someone incredibly close to her is, you know, be, disappears, like is, you know, meets with violence and does not escape it. And so there was a part of me that thought that it would be very true to the character to have her feel like she would need some sort of preparation in case she ever faced violence again. So it felt just true to the character that she would become sort of obsessed with being able to defend herself if she was ever put in that position again. Well, it's uh, some some very compelling fight scenes. Again, don't want to give much away, but uh, I could see it definitely uh, as a movie, uh, particularly with the twists and the turns. All right, very good, Jessica. That's Jessica Chiarella. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.